when you're in it, you're, you're taken care of, man. Like, like the congregation really rallies behind you. If you're sick, you know, people drive you to the doctor, bring you meals. You need a babysitter. Like you are taken care of, but if you stray for a moment, you, you're constantly threatened with being completely ostracized, not only just kicked out of the religion, but nobody talks to you. Nobody acknowledges you. You walk past somebody on the street. They won't even make eye contact. So there was a lot of people that were, that were living, that were successfully living double lives because they, um, they couldn't resist the temptations of the outside world, but they also wanted the benefits that went along with being part of a, a structured organization. You know, hey, everybody, we're not back. We are just here. <laughs> I feel like I've done that like three times. We'll just roll with it. Uh, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. I'm Jeremiah. Whoop, whoop. Uh, I have a question for you guys to just kick us off. Um, Let's hear it. Do you guys have strong feelings about self-proclaimed, quote-unquote, snobs about things? Like, I'm a coffee snob or I'm a beer Is this because I said I was an audio snob yeah, like before it, we started yeah. recording? You're an audio <laughs> snob. <laughs> you're a car snob you're what else how many you're a computer snob come on jeremiah this is, I'm, i mean I'm i, I am a swinging. snob about a lot of yeah about a lot of different things that's all fair i don't know what to say <laughs> but i feel like if you're in, whatever if you're into certain things just whatever be into them i guess but there's a certain i feel like accessible things like coffee and beer that everybody drinks uh, I feel like when people are self-proclaimed snobs about it, it's a little bit, it's a little bit worse. Like car snobs, I just, I drive a car. Of course, everybody drives a car, but <laughs> I'm not. Really, I'm really I don't not a car guy. Like, no, I'm never <laughs> going to feel shamed because someone knows a lot about cars and talks about what they think is cool about cars. But like, okay, I'll just get into why I'm even bringing this up because I didn't get the reciprocating answer. <laughs> Please do information that I want. Uh, I'm so, a Vidalo snob. A dildo snob. <laughs> You're a size king. Is that it? Yeah, that's what it is. I think he's more of a texture guy. Okay. <laughs> if it doesn't come with a shoulder strap, I'm not interested. <laughs> Ribbed for his pleasure. Is that <laughs> right? Okay. Right. You got when you got to plug into the wall. It draws so much juice. <laughs> Nothing battery operated. You want you go straight for the plug in. Like yeah. passive active cooling, nothing passive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you get you get the liquid cooled dildos. This thing's got a radiator on it. Holy crap! I mean, I'd be a snob if I knew there was there was many options on the marketplace. You, know? <laughs> you want to come hang out this weekend? Nah, I gotta put a new water What's pump it? on my dildo. <laughs> it's how it always goes. Like you're a little bit interested in something, then you're like, is there like a subreddit that explains everything about this thing? And then like three or four like giant wiki posts later, you're like, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be liquid cooled. Like, I don't know what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, if you're spending less than $1,600, you're really, you're getting absolute, you know, complete garbage. <laughs> so I guess what spurred this is uh, I was around a, I'll be as vague, I'm trying to be as vague as possible. Uh, I was around a coffee snob. 
recently. Now, how did you find out he was a coffee snob? Yeah, because people who are coffee snobs can't <laughs> not talk about it, right? And that's that's another one of the differences, Jeremiah. I've never known you to be someone who can't not talk to me about cars. It's just if I bring it up, we'll have a conversation. Otherwise, you're not like, hey, I know you were talking about some – I know you were just talking about dildos, but I really want to talk to you about cars right now, and I want to tell you why everything I have is better than what you have. We're, we're talking about like the crossfitters of the beverage world. Exactly. Okay, makes sense. Makes That's sense. It. That's exactly <laughs> it. So it's like there's just like we're, so we're in a at a a public thing where coffee is served, and it's like it's just whatever. It's like diner coffee. It's nothing special. Uh, and and this person ha- brings their own. They bring their own coffee, and they vocally. Am I hearing a cat in the background? That is, yes, that's my son, Percy. He wants to be let into the bathroom so he can uh, lick water out of the sink. Oh, my cat does that. Too. Oh, he licks it. After you finish taking a shower, he like licks it from the faucet in the bathtub. Sometimes he licks it. Sometimes he just stares at it. He likes yeah. them equally well. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that derailed my train of thought a bit. Uh, so he has his own coffee and he's, you know, loudly talking about why. Is this is that a restaurant? No, this is. Uh, I'm not. I can't get into specifics, Casey. <laughs> okay, but you're not. He didn't like carry one into a restaurant. This is no, like no. at an event. Let's think of like a a church basement. It's a you know a church basement putting on something, and I'm there, and this person's there, and it's like he he brings his own coffee, and it's just like oh my god, I can't even drink that. That all that's awful. Like uh, this, I drink only really good coffee. Basically, just he wouldn't stop talking about the coffee. It's like, he's like, I love giving the coffee that I drink to people who drink Dunkin' Donuts. And then they're just like, Ugh, this is too strong. And I'm like, okay, like, nope, I don't under, I don't even know what to say to that. Cause one <laughs> strong coffee doesn't mean good coffee. I don't necessarily doubt that this person drinks what would be considered good coffee. Maybe he works at a local roastery, something like that. I don't know, but I'm just like, it goes from being something you like to being your identity. And when things shift to being an interest to being your identity is when they become really insufferable <laughs> like to be around. Yes. So it's like pouring some into his thermos and like, oh, maybe somebody, anyone else want good coffee since that's awful and no one should be able to drink. And you're like, what? The people who made it are around. They're here. We're in the vicinity of the people who are offering this free coffee because it's nice. And guess what? When you offer free coffee, it's probably Folgers because that shit's cheap or Maxwell House or some other dumb shit. But I don't know. It was just very cringy. And I find I find people who do that with like craft beer and stuff too to be just as infuriating. Where it's just like, oh, I can't drink. I only drink craft beer. You're like, all right, get the fuck out of your own way, dude. You you know where it becomes a problem is when you have because there's people who are really really into something like like let's say coffee. There's people who are really really into coffee. It's not a problem that someone goes on and on about what they love. It's annoying when they go on and on about how they hate what's in front of them. Mm. That's and, where it gets really irritating. And act like people who are okay with Dunkin' Donuts or, or 
the lesser form of something or like of a lower caliber human. So it's not just, it's not just having nice taste, having nice taste is okay, but not being willing to lower yourself to like crummy taste for the sake of convenience or compassion or something. Is that where the line for being a snob goes? You could just not drink it. Like you could just not drink it and go on about your day and even be like, Oh, I'm a big coffee guy. I like this. You know, it's, it's when you start like making a scene around yeah, whatever's in front of you like someone has a is holding the item that you're like lambasting mm. which i that was now also though if you're not even if no one around was drinking coffee like was drinking if, if you were just out at a public area we're in a park and i'm with this person and they have their own and they have their coffee and they drink it and they enjoy it that's fine but Again, it's like pumping it into the conversation when it's as so like I need everybody to know that I'm better than them because I I like this. It's when that kind of shit gets wicked annoying. And people do that with so many things. Granted, I've probably done that before too, but like people, like I said, craft beer is something people do it with. Um, they'll sh- uh, people who vehemently are against fat, oh, fast food. How do you even put that in your body? Like, like, no one asked for your opinion. I, I think that's when people get annoying about the things that they like. It's like, enjoy those things. Like those things all you want. But when it becomes, when your enjoyment of it has to be coupled with talking about why you like giving this good thing to people who can't appreciate it just to watch them like spit it out or act like it's the worst thing ever because they're they don't have the sophisticated taste you do and that's like pleasurable to you i'm just like that's so weird like that's such a weird thing to force into the conversation that one no one was even trying to have about coffee uh or or it may be craft beer or whatever like and i think what the other defining difference is i love a good ass hamburger like i'll I'll put in work for a good hamburger sometimes, right? <laughs> you make, you whip up your own sauce. You caramelize the onions. You put that shit together with some serious love and care. And then sometimes I just want to just stuff my face with a McDouble. Uh, and as much as I like drinking good beer, sometimes I want to drink 15 Miller Lights. <laughs> and I'm okay with that decision too, so... I don't know. I think you can appreciate good things and also know that there's a time and a place for the things that don't cost 10 times the amount of the cheaper version of it just for the sake of, I don't know. Anyway, that's my rant. I'm done. You guys, where do you (laughs) want to take this conversation? Because I sound like a bitch now. I mean, I feel like I feel feel very convicted for my level of snobbery coming out of that conversation. Because I'm like, I I hate cheap beer. I just won't drink it. But yeah. I don't make a big deal about it. I don't. I don't criticize other people for liking it. But I definitely won't drink it. So <laughs> yeah, this I is so, maybe before I started drinking too much. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, Sam, you don't have any contact with with this side of things. But uh, we back Jeremiah, on no no no. no. Oh. <laughs> same same sort of thing. Okay, gun people. Oh, like, oh boy, there are so many different sub communities of gun people. And certain ones are unbearable. Like people who are really into Glocks and just never shut up about it are awful. It's and and plus, like anybody who works at a gun store, almost without fail, is super annoying. <laughs> They're just awful to talk to. 
It, have I have I told the story about uh, going to the gun shop in Wichita with with April? I don't know. Go so for it. we were looking for we were going to get like a pistol for it so we could practice and stuff, but something that she liked that fit her hand and stuff like that. That you know she's picking out her own, and so we go to this one gun shop in Wichita. This is a nice place, big place, got a range in there and stuff like that, but. It doesn't matter how nice the place is. Almost without fail, the people working there are super annoying. <laughs> so we go walking in, and you know, I would venture to say that April knows more about guns than a lot of their clientele. Like she's she's been around it quite a bit over the past twelve years. So we go walking into this place, and immediately there's a guy in our face, and he's like. Hey, welcome in. Uh, you know, have you guys been here before? And I'm like, I have. And she goes, oh, I haven't. And we're just like trying to get past this dude to go look at the thing we want. We just don't want to talk to him. And she's like, oh, I, I haven't been here before. And he's like, oh, okay, well, let me show you around a little bit. Um, over here, we have the range. Um, in this cabinet, this is our rental guns. People rent these and then they shoot them on our range. So you rent them, not buy them, and you shoot them on a range. <laughs> and then over here, these are the guns that are for sale that you can actually buy. And she's like, okay. And he goes, I just wanted you to know what's going on so you're not just kind of walking around in here like, oh, that one's pretty. Cool. And, I, I mean, I he said the sexism like rampant through the gun community. Oh, dude, it was that was a really bad one. Where I was just like, I don't know what to say to this person right now. Like, I don't want to talk to you anymore, but man, you're bad at your job. <laughs> <laughs> That's like the people, I feel like I've had good experiences with people who work in gun shops, but the people who work the booths at gun shows are like an entirely different breed. But like you're talking about, like there's the guy who has to test the taser out every 30 seconds for the entire show. Oh yeah. Like you hear the taser table going off. Dude, every every gun show you go to, you can just it's just a chorus of wait. Sam, have you ever been to a gun show? No, I haven't. All right, sweet. People just try out people that's what people get excited about is trying out tasers. Well, okay, so there's imp- I don't know what gun shows are like where you are, Casey, but where I grew up, Probably a gun show is yeah, <laughs> they're all the same. It's like 60 or 70% like actual just firearm dealers that bring stuff to the thing. So one of them might specialize in like old World War II rifles that okay. came out of a crate or and someone else might have, you know, yeah, a bunch of Glocks and regular handguns or something. The other like 40% is gun culture adjacent things like people who sell lots of military <laughs> insignia pins okay. or the guy who sells beef jerky or the guy who has a lot of confederate flag memorabilia or like there's they all hang around the outside of the gun show and there's always taser guy who is trying to convince everyone coming past at the gun show where they're looking at guns that the thing they need to leave with is a taser and they have to demonstrate how cool tasers are by tasing the table just over and over and over again for any <laughs> yeah. to look. Not just a taser, but a $10 wish taser that you can buy for $50. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> are tasers actually fairly cheap? Uh, not a, Nothing is cheap at a gun show. Like uh, anytime you go to a gun show, you're going to pay like 50 to 150% more. They're Wait, more just for like looking around. 
Why is that? Like just for for literally anything? Because so you're like there, this- you're looking at AR-15s. You can't afford to get an AR-15, but there's a guy and he's got a bunch of. We'll do a cash deal. You know, no, he's ID got a bunch of jackets. Oh, yeah. so he's got a bunch of jacket replicas from the Korean War, and you're like, well, I could get that and a helmet. Like that's pretty cool, <laughs> and you don't really care what the prices are. Like that guy's there too. It's like, have you ever been to an auction? I have not been to one of those either. They are so fun. Okay, that's they're so pretty fun. cool event. It's a terrible place to buy most things, though. You like you look at the handbill before you go, and you're like, "Man, they got a lot of cool stuff." Like, I might bid on this, I might bid on that. You go to the auction, and it's just idiots paying three times what the thing is worth. Like most of the time, <laughs> once in a while, you'll like squeak out with something super cheap, and and it's amazing. And like, but most of the, the time, it's like lost on everyone. Like no one knows the value of that thing there. Is exactly. That, okay. It's, that's the whole point of the auction is like you get caught up in the adrenaline of bidding. And even though you said you weren't going to pay more than 55, like now you're at 75 and the guy just upped you by a dollar 50 and you're like, I'll go 80. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I only ever, the only thing I've ever bid on is uh, abandoned storage units just to get on storage wars. Uh, I'm really into storage wars. Oh man. You could probably find one of those full of Nazi memorabilia. And it'd be very similar to a gun show. <laughs> I'm still waiting for the episode where they're like, uh, people bidding on it, you know, and then they like, I think they give, I think what do they do? They open it and you get to see kind of like just what's there on the surface, but you don't get to dig through it. And then you get in there and you see like, I don't know, a bunch of like corpses and liquefied bodies. And yeah. you, know, you, got the, like you got the corpse the storage unit. Yeah. That's a pickled noggin. Yeah. <laughs> But I think another great thing about a gun show, it's just like a great cross section of humanity where you've got like there's just average families wandering through there. You know, there's guys who are obviously like sportsmen and stuff. And then there's other people you look at them, you're like, you're here thinking about crimes. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I can just watch you walking around the eyes like you're just picking up all the knives and holding them one after the other for like 30 minutes. Like, why are yeah. you here? There's there's a specific guy that you look for because he's fun to watch. Anybody who's wearing more than one knife, that's the guy you want to just you want to be close enough that you can hear the conversation. He's going to be entertaining. He's got like his phone in a Kydex holster. Yep. You're going to hear some interesting but incredibly predictable political opinions. There's a there's a nine to one odds that he's wearing cargo pants. I yep. imagine the the diversity of political opinions uh, is pretty limited at those events, though. It, it's pretty limited and you can. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's a it's a time. It's definitely it always sounds like more fun than it actually is. It's like a trip to Guitar Center where like it sounds really cool. <laughs> and then once you're there for 20 minutes, you're like, oh, man, I'm not really that great at playing any of this. And these are all expensive. And, and there's like, that one guy who thinks you can play every Rush song hog in the drum set. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a Glock will shoot underwater. It's like that's the guy playing purple or uh, purple haze at the guitar center. Yeah, it's the exact same. It's like I like guitars. This should be fun. And then you get in there and you realize like these are really expensive, and I hate everyone here. Yeah, it's like I don't like any of the other people that are into this. Like I, you know, I smoke a cigar every once in a while. I can't smoke a cigar at a cigar shop. Yeah, like, that's another culture. This, oh my gosh, the arrogant like 
smelling my own farts crowd that just wants to sit around with their twelve dollar cigars and wax political. It's like it just it feels nice. Let me just sit on my back porch. I don't care. See, you do understand how I feel about content snobbery. You get it. I, I do. Yeah. I do. I, I think I'm more of a snob than you are because like you were given the beer example and like I just I don't even know what a Budweiser tastes like. I've never had one. I just have no standards anymore, <laughs> Jeremiah. And I don't like when people point that out. So I get defensive. My That's, standards that's kind of what it seemed like to me. Like, I, you know, I'll drive plenty of like old crummy cars or something, but like I'm very particular about how clean I keep mine and like how well maintained they are and everything. Like I don't feel like that's snobbery. I, I can like appreciate that. Yeah. Um, Mental That's, note: uh, Never pick you up anywhere. <laughs> I know I car. have brought I have brought my own TV and sound system with me on vacation more than once, just to make sure that <laughs> oh I wouldn't God. be saddled with okay, whatever like, junk far. was at the beach house. <laughs> you bring your own router. Your I own wireless brought setup. my own router yeah. before. <laughs> Damn, okay. dude, Jeremiah, you have. We were texting earlier. Yeah, I want to hear about this like end times stuff that you were looking at okay so like casey said i was looking into some end time stuff um no i was reading some some (laughs) conservative evangelical hot takes on the ukraine russia situation that's so funny i was reading about that literally right before we jumped down here while i was uh putting my kids to bed (laughs) well this one article i found was talking about pat robertson's comments which i know when something important happens in the world you want to know one pat robertson's still alive two what does pat robertson have to think about this and why is it the gays fault so (laughs) (laughs) pat robertson kind of now at this point like he's in it is like he's shriveled right so he's probably wearing the same sweater vests he's worn for the past 30 years but he doesn't fit in them the same anymore he kind of oh, yeah, looks, he looks like, like he's melting. He yeah. kind of looks like uh, when at the end of the last Harry Potter movie, when Voldemort is like that de- like decrepit baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Harry Potter has to like, he goes and does he go talk to him? I don't remember how it plays out, but I'm like, oh, I, I looked at those two side by side this week and was like, I see the resemblance. So I was reading the Rolling Stone article on his comments and, uh, they had a, a link and a reference because his comments basically about uh, Russia invading Ukraine are that we're even closer to the end times. God is compelling Putin to invade for end times reasons, whatever. It's Pat Robertson. He didn't mention the gays too much. So I'm like, all right, that's fine. Whatever. That's an average Pat Robertson. Progress. opinion. But the Rolling Stone article had a link to raptureready.com and it's rapture ready index. So I was like, well, that sounds interesting. That does. Uh the purpose for this index, it's right there on the homepage. The Rapture Index has two functions. One is to factor together a number of related in-time components into a cohesive indicator. Cohesive. Two, yeah. yeah. The other is to standardize those components to eliminate the wide variance that currently exists with prophecy reporting. They make it sound like, a more absol- like an actual scientific formula funny you should say that you could say the rapture index is a dow jones industrial average of end time activity but i think it would be better if you viewed it as a prophetic speedometer the Jesus higher the Christ. number the faster we're moving towards the, occurrence <laughs> the, of the, the number. that's the criteria here the more yes. nonsense we're pumping out oh no 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 <laughs> guys they, they they have criteria don't worry we're getting to the criteria and you're not going to regret it um it says the rapture index is by no means meant to predict the rapture Okay. Because nobody knows the time or the hour. Exactly. The index is designed to measure the type of activity that could act as a precursor 
to the rapture. Now, is sexual they, activity one of those activities? Oh, you know it is. Uh, so, but there's a scale. There's a scale. A hundred and below on the rapture ready index is slow prophetic activity. A hundred. Have they ever predicted that we were in the slow? Like the. <laughs> Uh, yes, apparently, because the all-time Wait. low was 58, December 12th, 1993. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They've been doing this apparently since 1990. It was a historically significant index. Wasn't that, that was before the, the internet? High. Uh, the internet kind of existed. It looks like they've existed since longer. They just moved it online a long time ago. Oh, they were 100 a to 130 publication is, before that. Yeah, it's moderate prophetic activity. 130 to 160 is heavy prophetic activity. And they say above 160, fasten your seatbelts. Okay, so the current rapture index number. Before we get into, well, actually, let me tell you some of the things that go into calculating this yeah, number. That, then I'm, I'm very curious about that. So it says it was last updated March 7th of 2022. And I checked when I loaded the site and it wasn't March 7th anywhere in the world based on that time. So <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. So Pat. Okay. So they have 45 categories. Uh, there's like debt and trade, false Christs, the occult, Satanism, unemployment, inflation. And so there's 45 categories. Inflation like is an indicator. And, That's not just and they like all, a they all have a score. turn. And they all have a score next to all of those. Okay. So then, so, you know, it says like debt and trade is a five out of what it's not clear. False Christs is a three. Satanism wait, is wait, a wait, two. Wait. So every time a false Christ <laughs> shows up, no, it's just a score. Points. No, it's just, a, it, it's just, it's not, I mean, civil rights has a five next to it, Shut which up. is interesting. Okay, <laughs> I would love to see a list of false Christs as as prescribed by that by that organization. Like, but, who makes that list? I'd say, I'd say Little Nas X is on there. Absolutely, probably, probably. Lady now, Gaga for sure. Now it Greta gets better Thunberg. though because they have all forty five categories, uh, but they also have comments on active categories. They have a change log of why did this score change? Okay, this so is more detailed than the Enneagram. It really Sorry, is. Sorry, everybody so, who loves the Enneagram, but they got you beat. And some of them, they're totally normal sounding. Like, okay, 10 is financial unrest. And their comment is many financial indexes are down more than 20% for the year. Or drug abuse, which is number 12. The lack of activity has downgraded this category. And you're like, well, you're not qualifying why that's happened. But okay, that's like a thing. You're like, interest rates are up. Crime is down, whatever. That seems like that's something that could be objective, right? Uh, 15, moral standards. Rampant immorality threatens the U.S.'s future. <laughs> no, this has. is a good one. This is a good one. Uh, this score got better under number 16, anti-Christian, because Christians have had fewer attacks in recent days. I don't know what that means. Attacks. Yes. Um, <laughs> I guess around the globe? They're probably... It's not clear. Uh, I'm uh, then there's another one. things from around the globe. I, there's not, I know they... I know there's a large audience that thinks Christians are heavily persecuted in the U.S., but most of the focus has always been on, like, China or the Middle East. Mm -hmm. uh, number 27 is global turmoil. The lack of activity has downgraded this uh, category, which is weird because they definitely know about the whole Russia situation because number 28 is arms proliferation. Putin, with, Putin withdrew from an agreement on the disposal of plutonium. Number 29, liberalism. The left has become fanatical in its opposition to Trump. Amen. And then they have another category for volcanoes. 
<laughs> Did bedbugs make the list? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but number 19, globalism. The Biden administration is all for globalism. Oh, that's and, always been a big one. I, I remember hearing a lot about that when I was Globalism, it's out of five, which I think is about the highest you can be because I only – I see a couple fives. I see one that's five plus one, but it doesn't say six. It just says five plus one. The new so world order. Uh, Mark of the Beast. And then there's a separate one called Beast Government. <laughs> What's the difference between beast those? Beast Government? I prefer the term <laughs> bestiality. <laughs> so, yeah. So, based on all of that, 45 categories. God. Uh, and they can be scored, it looks like, one through five. How can something be wrong that has so much so detail? Exactly. So, what do you, where do you think we're at? <laughs> now, remember, remember, 130 to 160 is heavy prophetic activity. Above 160 is fasten your seatbelts. Where do you feel like we are? Something tells me we all have to buckle up, but go ahead. <laughs> the Rapture Ready Index is only two down from its all-time high. It is currently at 187. <laughs> the all-time high was 189, October 10th, 2016, which coincidentally is one month before the election. I don't know what was going on then. I just think it's awfully telling. I can feel the centrifugal force right now. Dude, did I say that right? Did I say that right, Jeremiah? Centrifugal or centripetal? I forget which is which, so. Dude, you you summed that up perfectly. (laughs) How could something so detailed be wrong? That's 100% of the, that's like what this is banking on. Like, this is banking on like uh, boomers going to the website and being like, man, a lot of work went into this. There's a lot of research. (laughs) Well, I mean, they have an FAQ page that has literally hundreds of questions and answers. An FAQ Anon page? Is that what you said? No, just regular FAQ page. Okay. (laughs) But <laughs> they've got a category called Big Brother. <laughs> these oh, categories man. seem to have blurred lines. I I feel like some of these run together. Real Robin Thick of them. I put yeah. I put Big name? Brother in the Beast Government category. If it was me, <laughs> one of the questions is: Is the smart bird like the insectothopter? That again? Is the smart bird? Like the insectothopter. Okay. Okay. <laughs> is this what? I'm what does insect- that mean? <laughs> it's come straight from the uh, birdsaren'treal.com. That's what it sounds like. Insectothopter? I, I, I guess, is that like a conspiracy theorist thing about. Oh, like- interesting. The insectothopter. Can't even say. Insectothopter was a miniature unmanned aerial vehicle developed by the United States Central Intelligence Agency. Agency's Research and Development Office in the 1970s. The wow. insectothopter was the size of a dragonfly, and it was hand-painted <laughs> to look like one. Straight from Wikipedia. Okay, so this is some sort of government surveillance insect. Oh, yeah, because they've got – I mean, if you just keep reading down the Big Brother one, why are there many, so many road spy cameras? What are billboard spy cameras? How are surveillance and ANPR cameras used on city streets? These people who are still obsessed with the idea that people are watching you. It's like, yeah, no fucking shit. They have been for so long. We know it. Like, it's not like they're actively following Mr. Nobody in middle America. It's just like, we'll watch everything. So when something happens, we can then look back and know more. Like, I don't love it, but 
acting like this is I like mind-boggling. Uh, it yeah, is. I think me and Casey I, are going to be on the opposite end of this conversation from you. I think it's. I think it's. I think you can go. Boil every it. weird thing that happens down to what? What am I being sold? Like the other day, <laughs> we were talking. I got a drone for Christmas, and we April and I are talking. I didn't have my phone open. I I sound like this. My dad and I have had this conversation. Oh, okay. Before, I'm, like, I feel like I'm going to be on the same. I know where you're going with it. I feel like I think I know where you're going, and I think I'm going to be on the same page. And I might need to. Well, I was like find my position a little better. A drone would be like. I wonder if they make a drone that goes underwater. Like they, I wonder if you can buy a drone just like this that goes underwater, and and then immediately, like within hours. I'm scrolling through Instagram and there's an Amazon ad with an underwater drone, 4K, blah, 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 blah. That's surveillance. That's what the surveillance is being yes. used for. It's just trying to market you something, some sort I, of I could explain how that gadget. actually works, though. I can explain how that actually works. I don't th- – it's much okay. more oh, exciting no, there, if, if you if don't this explain. isn't the time for that, that's okay. Yeah, that's <laughs> fine. Uh, you're correct. They are listening to you. Your phone is listening. Okay. Oh, for sure. That's it. You're no, done. We're in agreement. <laughs> no, I honestly, I, I, of course, I think that's happening. I've talked about plenty of things that have then been advertised to me shortly afterwards. I think I mean it from like, there's, I, there's like this preoccupation with some people that the government's specifically interested in them because of their dissenting opinions. And it's like, nobody right. cares yeah, about you because you watched Alex Jones's YouTube page. They only care about you when you start saying words that put you on an FBI watch list. Like, right. Well, it's the same people that are like, they're kicking all the conservatives off of blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, they're not. They kicked some people off who did very flagrantly broke the terms of service, like using hate speech and stuff. And you just like their other content. And so you think you're at risk now. Yes. Like just because you were a fan of their page does not mean you're <laughs> at risk. Like yeah. they were comparing wearing masks to the Holocaust and now they don't work here anymore. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's you're funny how whenever people try to compare uh, any modern day event. Uh, especially as like white middle class Americans to the oppression of of the Holocaust, they're fascinated how people respond so poorly to that. They like I don't. Funny wanna... you should say that because when I was looking for conservative hot takes on <laughs> on Twitter earlier, uh, Tommy Loren. I don't know if you know who oh, that is. Conservative uh, oh, we know. We wish we didn't. We've been trying the to get Russian... a podcast since we started. Just the Russian invasion is, in her quotes, quote, tyranny, but forcing Americans to wear face diapers and get three ineffective COVID shots is our patriotic duty. Weird. So weird. And the top oh comment on Reddit is, what is, it, is local woman cannot distinguish the difference between public health precautions and war crimes. <laughs> there, I can see why the two are easily conflated. I can't think of two more awful. Well, no, I can. Uh, there's plenty of awful people, but. Tommy, I feel like anytime Tommy Lauren or Candace Owens comes, like, oh, our boy John Cooper just recently was on Candace Owens' show. It's like, oh, of course. I, cool. It's almost guaranteed at this point that you could probably get a show on Newsmax, maybe at least a segment on Newsmax, if you just say insane things. I know they're not necessarily on Newsmax. I just am like, 
kind of spitballing here because Casey, you know, we've been talking a lot about how we can take this to the next level. And I think maybe going the alt right direction could be helpful for us. Um, There's a lot of guys who look like us who have already gone that direction. Yeah, you know, I but like I want to be saturated market. I would like to be yeah. tucked in between John Cooper and Sean Spicer on Newsmax. And I think if we can just nail that slot, we have a real chance at making something big happen here. I don't have principles. I'm down. Perfect. <laughs> Uh, someone you guys may have heard his name before, Dinesh D'Souza. Does that name sound familiar? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Obama's right, uh, America. Here's his hot take. I noticed the witless progressives are trying to deplatform and debank Putin in the same manner they have done to Nick Fuentes. The problem is that the little plastic swatter that works on a fly doesn't really work on a grizzly bear. Hashtag Ukraine. I, I really don't get the, like... <laughs> fascination and like hero worship with Putin. But I think it's because just he's like, an authoritarian and they secretly wish they had an authoritarian to institute a Christian nationalist state. That's, yeah. that's the, secret. I think what, what's funny about that though, is the idea that that's what he's doing. Like the, the notion that what Putin's doing is trying to like further Christianity by pushing back. Because they're on so like, easily swayed. He just puts out some propaganda saying like Russia will never legalize homosexuality. And within two hours, dum-dums on Facebook are being like, maybe <laughs> Putin should invade America next. <laughs> like, you're that gullible. Like, or when Putin comes out, he's like, Biden's such a weak idiot. And conservatives are like, look, even Putin can see it. Like, or... Or he knows what button to push, and you're yeah. that stupid. Like, <laughs> because he arguably had something to do with why the first person, our, our previous president, was president anyway. He knows who he's work. He knows I don't what think he's that's doing. That's arguable. Yeah, yeah, Russian propaganda farms are like massive. It's unbelievable. It's pretty unbelievable. It's it's weird because it's. I'm going to sound like one of those Putin guys. No, I, um, <laughs> no, it's incredible though. Like what he's able to do, the way he's able to grab the attention of people in the United States. Like Casey and I talked about this somewhat recently too, where it's just like, you no, know, 20 years ago, everyone did not like that. Like th there's been a, an obvious shift in the way that people mm -hmm. think about Putin, but the way that he's been able to do that, obviously Facebook and social media in the way that he's like done, like, I don't know. He's pretty much had a full, I, I can't even imagine how much money and resources have been spent on like these social, like his social media campaigns too. Cause one of the things we looked at not too, too long ago was the amount of, um, the amount of like Christian Facebook pages that were actually just like, from Russian, oh yeah, Russian troll farms. It's yeah. a huge percentage. It's the majority. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah all all the meme pages. He, he probably should have used that money to diversify their economy. <laughs> like yeah. oil and natural gas is. It doesn't look like it's going to pan out for them long term. Yeah, well, so I just that's one all of the things that I've learned since the last week when we talked about this whole deal. So. <laughs> There's a number of factors here that contribute. That's what's annoying about anything that happens is like the simplistic, dumb, dumb takes that just grab headlines that people run with. Like even just like it's on both sides, but even like the notion that like, well, Putin wants to reestablish the Russian empire and that's what his goal is. It's like, OK, is that thought in his head? Maybe. OK, but there's a lot of factors here. One of which is the fact that like 
when Ukraine was a part of his country, they built tons and tons of pipelines between Russia and Europe where they transport their only real sizable export and the the basis of their economy, oil and natural gas, and sell it to Europe, who's dependent upon it. Partly because like Germany decommissioned all their nuclear power plants for whatever reason. They decommissioned all their nuclear power plants for environmental reasons and stuff and are totally reliant on Russian natural gas and oil. For environmental reasons. Yeah, right, right. Okay, uh, sure. Look, I'm I'm sure I am I am paraphrasing. I'm doing the exact thing I'm criticizing <laughs> people of, of doing. But so <laughs> there's all of these pipelines and stuff that are between Russia and Europe that flow through Ukraine, which they now have to pay tariffs and taxes and all sorts of stuff to the tune of billions of dollars. You know, through to a state that they don't even view as a legitimate state. It should be a part of their country. It should just be Russia West, right? On top of that, in the past like 20 years, I don't know what the time frame is, but it's in it's within the past 20 years, there's been like three major sources of natural gas that have been discovered in Ukraine, one in the east, one in the west, and one off of the Crimean Peninsula in the Black Sea. So now this illegitimate state in their eyes which they have to pay all this money to to export their only real export is also going to be a competitor in those same markets. And while they didn't always have the resources to extract those, companies like BP and Shell and stuff like that are more than happy to strike a deal with them to pull that stuff out of the ground and become a direct competitor to Russia. There's a lot of factors here that go beyond just Putin's trying to reestablish the Russian empire or He's trying to spread Christendom and take it away from the globalist Satanist humanists. Feels like you're really <laughs> overcomplicating this, Casey. Maybe so. Simple. Everything's simple in their simple answers. Maybe this would be a good time to pause and just double check. Jeremiah, has the prophecy index moved at all since we've been talking? Not since we've been talking, no. I'm curious if it's the eighth yet uh, there, but it doesn't appear to be. Did what I just say, did it bump the needle at all? Uh, no, it is still 187. Well, we just we'll don't have, have the poll that I thought we did. We yeah. should probably check on check in on this chat, every week. Yeah, uh, chat, can you let us know when the next changes? Chat, thank you. I think it's <laughs> worth our time to just, you know, at least take a quick look at that at the top of every episode every week. Now, Sam, Sam, what was that verse you quoted when I first read off raptureready.com? You said, No one knows the day or the hour? Yes. That is it. Oh, that's that's not the verse they have in the header. The verse they have in the header is "Behold, I come quickly," Revelations three eleven. That sounds like me. Uh, Maybe yeah. one of the most relatable verses in the Bible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you know me after the wife and I get a night out alone. Uh, you should try kratom. Out. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds. <laughs> it sounds. Like I should definitely give that kratom. What I still don't even know what that is. I just know that uh, weirdos sell that to you illegally. Like I wouldn't trust anyone who sold kratom. I thought it was legal. Is it legal? And it doesn't matter. They're weirdos. It's legal here, at least. I don't know. I buy it from an Indonesian guy named Muhammad. He's super cool. Well, now you're just trying to make me sound like I wouldn't trust a guy named Muhammad, and I don't appreciate the way this is coming off, Casey. Yeah. Um, well. It's just one of the many things on the list of reasons that I, I don't think trust it's really you. fucked up that you just 
put your drug dealer's name out there like that too, man. I don't know what the fuck's wrong with you. Oh, I th- I get a referral bonus. Oh, I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, it's like Citibank, you know. It gives me fifty bucks every time I refer a new customer. Okay, well, I guess it's a solid business model. What do I know? I have one more question from the FAQ page of RaptureReady.com. Um, will the Antichrist be a homosexual? <laughs> oh my God, I hope so. You know he would. Uh, uh, they're referencing Daniel 11 they're referencing Daniel 11 37 which says neither shall he regard the God of his fathers nor the desire of women nor regard any God for he shall magnify himself above all Um, some Bible scholars believe that the phrase desire of women means that Antichrist the world's last and most terrible tyrant will be homosexual but it's more likely this man will be so arrogant and self-absorbed that nothing and no one can deter him from loving himself above all else he will much like Adolf Hitler, consider himself far too important to give much regard to women, especially to one woman. I feel like we had a president about a couple of years ago. Like, directly contradict that? Yeah, it's it's not important. So, is the Antichrist George Azar or Luke Wilson? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Ooh, I bet they're arguing over it right now. Who wouldn't want to be the Antichrist? It sounds like a solid gig. I'll support either one of their bids for yeah. ruler of the world. Oh, I mean, I was against it. I was, I was not. It's tough, but I think that I would be swayed by one of them if they were the Antichrist for sure. Like you think one world government you? is fine with me as long as Luke Wilson's running. I think he could do a pretty bang up job. Now, right? but to run a one world government, though, like he's going to have to be a dictator. Like we're just admitting that, right? Like yeah, there's no course. way to get by. Okay, it's no, not going to be democracy anymore. Okay, got it. No. Well, there, one dictator to rule them all, and I'm here for it. <laughs> George, Luke, uh, we're about to break a pool, pool cue and throw a, one into each okay, of we, you. To we tell can you moderate to the debate. Out. Yeah, we can moderate the debate over who wants to be the Antichrist. <laughs> Uh, we probably ought to extend offers to to Bill Gates, uh, Anthony Fauci, I guess, who else? Kamala Harris. <laughs> Obama's probably uh, off the hook. They I don't know who the other heavy hitters are. I, I'm, I'm, my my up-and-coming Antichrist game is pretty off right now. I feel like I haven't paid enough attention to the up-and-comings. Yeah, I feel a little out of the loop, to be honest. <laughs> we'll have to put together a bracket. I think a bracket is probably the best <laughs> the thing most likely to be the March Madness. <laughs> now that we're entering into March Madness, even though I don't know anything about sports and brackets and seeds and how that shit works, we'll we'll get something together maybe. We could get podcast guests to like submit <laughs> names to be added to the bracket, like nominees. <laughs> oh my god. So let me introduce our guest this week because this was one, you know, Sam so Sam is the booking king of the of the universe and he's managed to pull guests that i thought were above our our pay grade that we were very excited to talk to um one of which was our guest this week comedian doug smith so doug grew up a jehovah's witness and has a really uh interesting story you know that kind of involves family dynamics and you know growing up a part of this church, but also going to public school and kind of being daily, 
you know, the, on a daily basis, he's he's kind of paraded in front of the student body as being different than them. And man, he's just a had a really interesting story. Super funny guy. If you don't, if you aren't familiar with Doug's work, or if you are and you haven't seen it yet, Comedy Central used to do this. I don't know if they still do it, but it's this great show called "This Is Not Happening," and it's like a storyteller show. And it used to be Ari Shafir that hosted it, and now it's uh, man, I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, another great comedian, but anyways. It's comedians, they come on and they tell a story. And every great comedian you can think of has been on This Is Not Happening at one point and told a really funny story. Doug's is about how he witnessed and intervened in and stopped a, a rape in oh New York. Yeah. Which sounds it sounds pretty, pretty uh awful at first. He manages to make it into a really funny story. He does have a souvenir. He got a pretty gnarly gash across his face yeah. from me assailant got stabbed in the face we did not hit on this with this story is one of the ones that he tells a lot um and it's one that i was familiar with before reaching out to him and sometimes it's just not worth having someone rehash the same story they've done literally everywhere so you should definitely check out his story about this on this is not happening because it's it's a, it's an unbelievable story. It's also funny, uh, and it's one of what has it's got to be like one of his his most watched videos at this point because it's such an incredible yeah. one. But really funny comedian. You can find his work on YouTube. You can check out his website. He's probably I think he's touring again now, so you can find out some you know where his dates are going to be. Um, it's been on. Number of different late night shows and stuff. James Corden, so, Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Really cool guy. We had a great time talking to him. And I think you're going to love it. For those of you who bought t-shirts, uh, good news. The t-shirts are in route from Sam to me. Um, no one trusts Sam enough to put addresses on <laughs> shipping labels. So I will nope. be receiving t-shirts and then uh, shipping them out to you. You will also be getting one of our really cool uh, GUC stickers and just, I don't know, I might just, you know, sprinkle my essence onto your new t-shirt. Maybe I'll send you a fossil that he found in the river in his backyard or something. I might. You know what? <laughs> That's a great idea. I'm going to sprinkle in some fossils that were formed during the Noah's flood yes. in with all of our orders. And uh, so keep an eye out for that when you get one of the get the T-shirt that you purchase. Thank you to everyone who bought those T-shirts. We really appreciate your support. We're gathering some cool ideas for our next merch run. It'll be happening, you know, fairly soon. And uh, with that, enjoy our conversation with Doug Smith. Hey, everyone, we're back with our guest, Doug Smith. Doug, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, we're ex I'm excited to talk. To you. We've been talking for really since for uh, at least a year now about wanting to talk to someone who's done who comes from the the Jehovah's Witness background. We've talked to a Mormon, uh, but yeah. or two. We've talked to a couple, but no Jehovah's Witnesses yet, and they're a, a kind of their own. So I'm very excited to hear your story and get, get ready into to some get of the weeds converted. There. 
Yes, that's what <laughs> we're expecting. Uh, I expect a strong sales pitch. If you have years and years of door-to-door experience, this better be good. Yeah, let's see if I still got it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so when uh, when we were younger in church and stuff, there was always like one month out of the year where like every get-together, we went through a different denomination or subgroup of Christianity and like all the reasons that they were wrong and we were right. Did you guys have those about us? Like, did you talk some guff on us, uh, you know, once in a while? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's the funny thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is, is they do identify as as Christian, um, you know, because it's Bible based. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think I wouldn't even say that. Like, I wouldn't even say that uh, there was necessarily things pointed out in. Catholicism or Protestant or anything like that were that were like fundamentally wrong. I think it was more like in terms of their beliefs. I think it was more in terms of honestly, it seemed to me that, that the, the biggest beef was that those organizations didn't, um, they weren't strict enough. You know what I mean? Like they adhere to the Bible, but you know, the, it kind of loosely like, you know, <laughs> premarital sex is uh you, you shouldn't do it you know they, they, they kind of turn a blind eye to it whereas with jehovah's witnesses it's like a punishable offense i, th- I think that's to me what i noticed as a kid to be the biggest difference is like there, there's a lot of other religions out there that that actually believe a lot of the same stuff you know in terms of do's and don'ts but it's the um it's the enforcement of these of these beliefs and and the whole idea that um if you to do any of these things you're a sinner and and the need for repentance and if you don't repent you're you're out you know and that's that's to me what makes it a cult more than a organized religion you know is the blowback and the and the ramifications of that that go hand in hand with um you know doing the doing the wrong thing yeah whereas, I, whereas I, with, you, with, with you guys i'm sure there were like you know there was definitely rules and i'm sure you were pro- raised fairly strict but you weren't thrown out on your ass if you if you did the wrong thing, right? You guys no. got a corner on the severity market, that's for yeah. sure. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't thrown out. You would just uh, wish you were dead. Is like that's the difference. Yeah. I think is like ah, oh, I wish I was dead versus uh, I'm completely excommunicated and actually out on my own. Because there is um the it's funny because the lingering effects of that severity, like there weren't. You're right. Like uh, maybe some people were. I think there's some definitely fundamentalist bents of Christianity that would have been like. Oh, you're out on your own now. Uh, yeah. Sex was a problem. Uh, worse if someone got pregnant, uh, obviously, as you can't get rid of it. So you get <laughs> that right. sucks for the parents. The parents have to deal with it. I guess that's more of a woman's problem. Now, <laughs> yeah, you know? it's true. <laughs> They're out on their own. We don't believe in abortion. We're we also not going to do shit to help you out with that. So <laughs> my son just didn't know what he was doing. He was he's 16 years old. Come on, we'll we'll pray for his forgiveness and he'll accept Christ as his Lord Savior again, and we'll be all set. And you can deal with the next 30 years of child rearing. Yeah, um, show me the Bible does... passage where you're not allowed to be a deadbeat dad, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like there's a so Sam and I both went to like fundamentalist churches and schools and stuff and um it seems like the rules are similar. Uh you guys sucked a lot more of the fun out of everything. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. excommunication is a thing that's like that's very Jehovah's Witness as opposed to like we'll do anything to get another person in the seat. 
you know? Right. So it takes a lot for them to boot somebody out. You know, they have to announce that they're going to live as gay or something like that. <laughs> yeah. We like yeah. to, we, we accept people as they are. That's how you get them in. And then you're like, all right, now it's time to change your life a bit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good point. That's, that's, and, and that's one of the things that like, you know, I've been out of Jehovah's Witnesses for 20 years. I left when I was 20. So almost 20, 19 years. And, um, you know, I've kind of over the last couple of years, cause I'm working on a, uh, I'm working on pitching a podcast all about, all about my experience. And I'm also working on a solo show. That's just like a kind of like a themed stand-up show just about my experience. Oh, that's so awesome. It, in the, in the efforts to do both of those things, I've kind of, kind of gone back and, um, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say I've like reimmersed myself in it by any means. Cause I, I've worked very hard to undo a lot of the brainwashing, but I've, <laughs> I've gone back to see if they've, um, if they've made any amendments to any of their beliefs, because so many of them are so, uh, antiquated. And one of them particularly is their stance on homosexuality, which when I was growing up was, you know, a hard no, like, like there were no openly gay people in my congregation or any, anywhere that I was aware of. And it was very much like, this is a sin. You know, a man is not supposed to lie with another man, you know, uh, sex is only for the purposes of, of procreation. And I thought, you know what, if they want to, if they want to have any success in terms of their uh, rate of conversion, they're going to have to fucking loosen the reins on that one a little bit. And they are still, fucking sticking to their guns man yeah. <laughs> I wasn't expecting a twist to this story I guess <laughs> it's like uh, that's why I Mormons think- are like the the only example of any of them that have like really altered their stance on controversial things yeah because like, they if you go back and look at like original Mormon doctrine they had some really racist stuff in there you know about, oh yeah I don't know if it banned black members, but there was a lot of just really rough things. Like they couldn't be a part of the priesthood and all of this stuff. And they've, the Jehovah's Witnesses have gone back and altered their doctrinal statements several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mormons, my bad. (laughs) Interchangeable. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. They, uh, God, I just lost my train of thought. Something had to do with. Whatever. So you said you left 20 years ago. Um, what was so? Oh, before we get into that, this is I got my thought back. Uh, conversion, right? You're talking about sex. Can't have sex before you're married. It's a big pro- and that's it's tough. Yeah, good luck getting your 20 somethings converted yeah. to when that's your hardline stance. But I, one of the things I had learned recently about them is that they have like the highest defecting rate of any religion and also the highest conversion rate. So they, and that, I, it feels like they're constantly converting people who are already married when that sex thing's kind of off the table, which I think is funny. It's like, now right, we know right, right. like, yeah, you're not out there. Like that's not the hang up anymore. Uh, so now, now you're our prime target. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. That's why like, you know, my, my mom is the one who, was the um she's the one who kind of led the charge in 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 uh really going going into the religion full throttle and and really did her damnedest to pull me and all of my siblings and my dad into it even though uh 
I, my siblings and I were all, you know, brought into it from birth. So we didn't know anything different. My dad, you know, he had lived uh, as a, a free man for lack of a better <laughs> phrase for, um, for almost 40 years. And so when she got into it, I think he probably thought like, well, you know, it seems a little odd, but whatever. It's not really going to have any effect on me. He was already a married man who was settled down with kids, you know, like the, there was no real, uh, impact on his life in terms of what he couldn't, couldn't do. You know what I mean? So like, if you're already a grown adult, who's already settled down, it's not that it's, it's still very taxing and demanding the amount of Bible study that goes into it and preparation for three uh, church services a week and, and the going door to door. It's very, very demanding of your time and energy, but in terms of the rules and restrictions, it, you know, if you're not a, a adolescent, you know, horned up, just lunatic who just desperate to, you know, stick their dick in something, it's it's <laughs> like it's 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 uh, it's not that crazy. You know what I mean? It's like not that difficult to adapt to. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's not as costly. Yes, exactly. I think that's why. Like, so even for us, like evangelicalism, it like. A lot of a lot of the kids we grew up in and hit their parents in their like early mid twenties. They'd been married, settled down. So it's like it's not particularly costly. It's not, maybe maybe it's, when it comes to drugs and alcohol, if you're into that, it's right. It's pretty frowned upon. But if that's not really your thing, then and you're just twenty something, you go to work every day, and this just becomes your social club for a lot of people. It, yeah, I can see it not being particularly costy. Cost for your dad, it was like joining a homeowners association. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Dues and everything. And the, <laughs> <laughs> the only thing that he really had to keep under wraps was, and I didn't, and he did a very good job. I didn't know until I was in my later teen years that he was uh, smoking the whole time, and I had no idea. So he would smoke on his way home from work in the car, all the windows down. He always had like multiple packs of blue original Trident in like every pocket, you know, every jacket <laughs> pocket, every drawer, every, you know, cup holder of the car, just, you know, a lifetime supply. And uh, I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea. And I actually heard an account because um, I've, uh, there was a, not to get too, excuse me, too off base, but uh, Leah Remini did a whole series on Netflix about Scientology. I don't know if you guys watched any of that. Oh, yeah. And and she did a whole episode about Jehovah's Witnesses. She had like six or seven different witnesses talking about their experience. And one of these women was, um, uh, she was in an abusive relationship because another thing that happens is because people are, because people that are born into it are, told to refrain from not only premarital sex, but masturbation, anything, anything having to do with the opposite sex. People are so repressed that I watched firsthand. I watched countless people in my congregation get married when they were 19 or 20 years old to people that they didn't really know very well uh, just because they wanted to have sex. And then they, and then they wind up getting involved with these people and find out that they're not really compatible. And then, uh, the 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 real uh, icing on the cake is the only grounds for divorce is adultery 
And one of these women was in an, an abusive relationship where her husband was not cheating on her, but he was beating her on a regular basis. And she would go to the elders and, you know, I'm really, I can't stay in this relationship. And they're like, well, you know, maybe if you didn't, they would, they, they said to her, like, maybe if you didn't sass your husband so much, maybe if you were a little bit more uh, submissive in the relationship, it's also so demeaning to women, you know, they're, they're really treated like second class citizens. So she was stuck in this relationship with this abusive guy and she didn't see an out. And then finally she thought, wait a second, he smokes on occasion. Maybe if I, and there's also a, a whole thing in the Jehovah's Witnesses organization where there is not grounds for anybody to do anything in terms of removal of, of somebody from the religion. There's like a two witness rule that it has yeah. to be seen by, by two other people. So she's like, this, he smokes. If I can get two other people in the congregation to see him smoking, that might be grounds enough to get him kicked out of the kicked out of the religion. Therefore, I can divorce him if he's no longer a witness. And that's what it came down to: him physically abusing her when completely unpunished for years. And then finally, this guy got pegged for smoking and got kicked out. And that's when they were finally able to. She was finally able to divorce him. What? That's mind blowing, right? Yeah. That's ridiculous. Just, that is just people getting caught up in the minutia of their code, you know? Yeah. Yep. And the code takes precedent over everything else. Absolutely. That's yeah. so crazy that like physical violence is just like, well, you know, don't be a bitch. It's like basically yeah. the response. And then the, oh, but you smoke a cigarette. And especially like the two the two witness rule is what's because I'm guessing the problem what well maybe not. You tell me. Uh if if they had a second witness to him beating her, would that have been a problem? Uh <laughs> They had a second with, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think that's applicable to anything, you know what I mean? But like, yeah, I guess, you know, you don't usually have an audience when you're kicking the shit out of your wife, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I mean, they might, they like, I only party. do my abuse in front of other people, so. <laughs> cool your jets, pal. <laughs> See you on and Sunday. That, and that's another thing. Um, I was not aware until after I left that there is, um, uh, there's, there's, pedophilia and and child molestation that is rampant in the organization and again because you know any sort of repression is going to breed that sort of behavior you know what i mean people are driven to insanity and so i didn't i didn't experience any of that i was not aware of any of that in my congregation but um again there's not grounds for removal of anybody doing any of that behavior again unless there's a two witness rule and it's like well, who the fuck is uh, invited is having a viewing party when you're molesting a child? You know what I mean? It's, no. it's, it's ridiculous, dude. It's that's been one of the most arbitrary. shocking things about it. Yeah, just I th like the uh, you know, there's some very public videos of uh, Jehovah's Witness members testifying in front of uh, some in ruling Australia? board in Australia. Yeah, 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 yeah. dude, it is shocking and terrible so and then fucking stupid right you can just yeah. see they might as well just be going bad the whole time you know they there was a whole 
in Australia, there was there was countless uh, uh, child molestation charges that were finally brought to the authorities against the Jehovah's Witnesses, and they they denied it left and right, and then it finally you know went to uh, I don't know what if there's a Supreme Court in Australia, but that basically the equivalent of that, and um, they these guys just completely had egg on their face because they they had to just regurgitate all this indoctrination that they had been taught about like well we can't do anything because we believe that there has to be this two witness rule so we can't do anything bringing anything okay. to the authorities and and you could see the uh the attorneys or whoever was questioning them that you could see them just like their minds were blown by the naivete and and just the the ignorance behind behind their behind all these rules that they follow. And there's also like an arrogance to it too, you yeah. know, because a big part of the response is like God's law trumps man's law. So, uh, right. you know, we don't feel any responsibility to your rules. Like they're, they're inconsequential to us. This is our rule. It's two witnesses. And if you don't have a second witness, then we don't act on it because that's what God's word says. Right. Right. And they're very much of the belief that, you know, nothing needs to be handled by any outside sources or, or bringing anything to the authorities. It's very much just like, we'll leave this in God's hands. You know, yeah, we'll, that's we'll find right. a way to deal with this. They had like that. Not that those issues haven't come up in the evangelical church over the, the decades, but once or twice. Yeah. <laughs> They're not exactly quick on their feet to involve the authorities, but there's nothing in their bylaws about it. But that's my understanding is like the J-dubs are very much like, no, no, we handle everything internally. Yeah, 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 totally. And they're, evangelicals and they're, are, they're content with like a level of deviation from scripture when it serves them. <laughs> you know, like right. <laughs> the eye for an eye thing, take some liberties there. Well, Jesus addressed that case. So you get your head out of your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Jehovah's Witnesses, like, yeah, everything is done in house. So they have, they, they're not stupid by any means. They, they, they have, you know, they have accomplished attorneys, doctors. There are people that are very uh, proficient in their chosen field that they, you know, they have uh, an infrastructure really within the organization to, to handle all the challenges that come with navigating life uh, in the outside world while keeping everybody sheltered. Um, even, you know, a perfect example is, uh, I don't know if you guys were aware of they have these, these different kind of compounds that I guess to an outside uh, observer would, would basically qualify as a commune where Jehovah's Witnesses, um, they live and they work. They basically get free room and board in exchange for their services uh, in terms of all their uh, print, uh, the printing of their publications because Jehovah's Witnesses have publications printed in over 700 different languages. I had no idea there was even the close to that many languages. Yes. Watchtower and Awake Magazine, countless other publications. So they have uh, their main, their main, their world headquarters was in Brooklyn, in Dumbo, right near the Brooklyn Bridge. And they bought up a bunch of real estate in like the early 80s in Dumbo before it was Dumbo, you know, and for dirt cheap. And they had, that was their headquarters where that was, they printed all their publications. And they just recently, uh, I'd say maybe seven, seven, eight years ago, they sold 
all this property in Dumbo for bil- literally billions of dollars. Oh, um, well, you, I, I heard you talking really about on this. Bitcoin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I heard you talking about this on a, on another podcast yeah. about that compound. I mean, how big was it? It was huge. I mean, I used to, I used to go visit uh, all the time cause that was my, that was my mom's goal for me because I was, I was, uh, um, I was always a really good fine artist. I've been drawing since I was like, you know, five, six years old. And, and my whole life, I just wanted to be a cartoonist. And so my mom was encouraging of my artistic abilities, but she also wanted to find a way for me to channel that into something within the confines of the organization. So her dream. So Watchtower have religious cartoons. (laughs) They actually, they actually do have like (laughs) almost like a, like a New Yorker style, just like kind of single frame kind of thing in the back. I don't know if they still do, but they did at one point when I was growing up, but they also have like beautiful, like full color illustrations. They have a whole art department there that does all the illustrations for the, for their publications, like really, really accomplished, um, classically trained oil painters that do these, these magnificent paintings. So her goal was for me to, uh, live at one of these branches and be in the art department. So I used to go with her to take tours <laughs> of these places all the time. And everybody there looked so miserable. It was, it was <laughs> and that, and that was really like, even as a young kid, I wasn't really, I don't know if I would really say I was, uh, familiar with the idea of what a cult was, but looking back on it now, it was like, oh yeah, it was clearly a fucking cult. Like just people that were, had been brainwashed and it was kind of no turning back. It was too late. You know, they had surrendered their lives to this organization oh and they were just kind of stuck there. And How old were you when your mom brought you there? Oh, I mean, we went there throughout my whole childhood, but I'd say maybe the first oh, really? time I went there, I was like five or six. You know? Oh, and you just kept going back and realizing how sad it was. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's awful. I mean, they they give they give people, uh, you know, like I said, room and board. They feed them, but they they give them like a monthly allowance, like a hundred dollars. I mean, these people are like impoverished. And another thing with witnesses is, like I was saying earlier, it's so demanding in terms of your time and energy, just in terms of like three church services a week. So like. There's a Tuesday night meeting, a Thursday night meeting, Sunday meeting, in addition to all the hours that you put in going door to door, that a lot of witnesses can't, uh, there's no upward mobility in terms of the jobs that they have because they can't devote, they can't, they can't afford to devote that kind of time to their, to their profession. So a lot of them have just basic trades. You know, there's a lot of carpenters or plumbers. Um, and, and they really can't, they can't really thrive in the workplace because it's, it's discouraged, you know, they're, they're made to feel bad for spending any time or energy in anything that's not completely involving the organization itself. They probably lose a lot of clients when they, uh, after they like, you know, build them a chair or fix their leaky pipe when they're like, so anyway, I'm part of this group. 
Yeah. <laughs> they're just like, wait, 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 yeah. wait, wait, wait. <laughs> what are you doing? You're never coming back here. <laughs> and that's, that's another thing in informal witnessing as they call it is also encouraged. So like living in your testimony, which means, which means like, which means like taking every opportunity to tell people about Jehovah and the hope for the, you know, the new system of things at every chance you get. So like I was encouraged to do that in school. You know, I was, I was one of the few kids in my congregation that was actually allowed to go to public school. A lot of kids in my congregation were homeschooled and my mom was like, fuck that. I'm not, I don't want to be your teacher. So you'll go to school. <laughs> but, but I was like, homeschooled. Oh, were you? Yeah, I was. Oh, wow. So, but you I weren't was even like, Jehovah's. <laughs> I was encouraged to like tell all my classmates and be like, have you heard the good news of Jehovah's kingdom? Which of course, like, I kept it very close to the vest. My entire MO all throughout school was keeping it completely under wraps because I didn't <laughs> want to be exposed as a fucking, you know, Bible thumping Jesus freak, you know? It is funny that that's like the same <laughs> business model as like Pampered Chef or, uh, you know, curvy vacuums or whatever. It's like, you know what people love? They love it when you leverage your friendship with them to sell something. Oh yeah, it's a giant, pyramid, it's a giant pyramid scheme. Yeah, absolutely. Nothing. I didn't realize until more recently in my life. Like, I have, I got two dogs. Uh, one of them's too small to matter. Like when it comes to people knocking on the door. But what? Like, I have one that has like anxiety and shit. And my dog, I don't know. He's kind of fucked up in that a little bit. But he's great. I love him. Uh, but when people knock on my door, it's just like it's an absolute nightmare. I hate it so much, and. I can't imagine how awful that experience must be knowing that there's so many people that feel the exact same way I do when you get a knock on the door and having to oh, yeah. just do that. Like, I mean, when you talk about people not being able to excel in their careers because they have to spend all this time doing that, is there anyone that's a Jehovah's Witness that doesn't do that at all? I mean, my understanding is you actually have to like log your hours and submit it. I don't know if that's just yeah. on like more. I don't, is that across the board? Uh, and and does everyone actually do this a decent amount? So from from my understanding, my congregation that I was in, uh, you know, I had nothing to compare it to because I was in I was born and raised in the same town my whole life and the same congregation my whole life. So I didn't know have anything to compare it to. But according to other witnesses that would move from one, you know, from another town or, or, or another kingdom hall to our kingdom hall, I was told many times that my congregation was the strictest congregation that they had ever been part of. Wow. So from my perspective, yes, everybody, uh, what I rem- I have vivid memories of at the end of every month, there was like a little, um, kind of like a timesheet that you would fill out the date, the date and the number of hours that you were in the ministry that day. And then you would add it all up and, you know, put the tally at the bottom, sign it, and then put it in a, you know, a, a, a box where the elders would review it. It would find, you know, had a whole file cabinet full of all the different publishers in the congregation and the hours allotted in the ministry. And um, yeah, they kept, they kept very uh, close tabs on that. And if you didn't do that, which is, is a good question. Like, is, was everybody, you know, not everybody is going to be an equally involved participant. But if you weren't, 
you were kind of like looked down upon, you know, you were kind of like, Oh, he's not really, he's, he's lesser than, you know? So there was, there was like kind of like a popularity contest, like the most, the most well-respected witnesses in the congregation were those that were really kind of like, kind of like show ponies in a way. They were the ones that were, you know, the, it, it, and and the church services are not just it's not just an elder giving a sermon there is a lot of that but there's a lot of audience participation so there's a lot of like question and answer so that you know there was like the ones that were held in the highest esteem or the ones that would sit in the front row and have their hand up every time it was like school you know what i mean there was like yeah. teachers pets um and so like the ones that would comment at the meetings the most, the ones who would be out in the ministry the most, they were the ones that were held in the highest esteem. And then there were people that were just kind of, on. Uh, they were in it. Maybe they were raised in it, but they were, there was no real passion for it. And they were definitely looked down upon thought of as kind of lesser than. So it was like an infrastructure that like continually pushed people to reaffirm publicly, like their commitment to the cause and, yep. It's interesting. How structured yeah. was like the the door to door process? Did you guys have like mapped out areas that, yeah, you know, you yeah. hit certain parts and stuff? Which I, which I'm all, again, I'm curious as to as to how they've evolved that whole process because you know, twenty years app ago, <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I wouldn't doubt it. I really wouldn't doubt it. Be. I'm sure they, they have, have an app fucking, and they steal Amazon packages. They probably. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, I would like to see the data on that, like Mormon, I mean, uh, J-Dub population to the amount of stolen Amazon baggage. I bet there's a correlation. There has to be. <laughs> they don't make much money, as we've already talked about. So, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if you know, uh, if if uh, several years ago they sent out a whole crew to Silicon Valley to try to flip a couple of uh, young startup guys. <laughs> Like, come with us. <laughs> so the idea of them having an app really i mean i know we're joking about it but it's really not even that preposterous they probably it's a whole department now just like their art department <laughs> yeah yeah but like when i was when i was uh when i was doing it it was very analog you know what i mean so like i was I was in uh, a town in connecticut my congregation was right across the border in westchester so there was like four, there was like four or five towns um, in that vicinity that we, that were our territory. And so we would get, uh, we would get like a little map of a little section of that territory with uh, the street names. And then we would have to hit every street on that map. And then we would have to keep copious notes. You know, we hit number 27 on Peaceable Lane. And they were home, but they were not interested. So we would return six months later. If they were home and interested, you go back in two weeks and you keep, you know, you keep wearing them down until you can hopefully get them to come to one of the meetings or start up a Bible study. And you would, it was relentless. And the only time that you would, that you would uh, write down, um, there was like, there was like abbreviations for things. So like, NH was not home. Uh, NI was not interested. I interested. DNC stood for do not call. And, and do not call, you would only write that down if somebody threatened you with violence. You know? <laughs> like, like, get the fuck off my property. Uh, if you guys have listened to me talk about this on other pod- podcasts, I had a guy threaten to pull a shotgun on me when I was 12. 
So, you know, that was, def- that was definitely a DNC. I'd, I ran from a couple of attack dogs. So, but unless it was of that magnitude, you would just keep going back. Like That's a little uh, cheat code they, for you audience members. They have members. told us not to go back, but they don't know what they're talking about. You know, it's just like don't know how to take no for an answer, you know? So no matter how much they were like, never come back here. You were like, not interested. Come back. You don't mean that. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Cause it's like, well, oh, okay. Well, what was your closing ratio on it? Cause it's, uh, it's so much similar. How many people were got into it? We're like, yeah, that sounds great. Tell me more. It's like, was your, that did anybody except for your mom, like ever, <laughs> like act upon it that's a good question in the 20 in the 20 years that i was a part of it i could count on one hand the amount of people that actually fully immerse themselves to the point of becoming baptized uh because you know in jehovah's witnesses you don't become baptized until you make that choice until you make that choice to completely immerse yourself in the religion and i could count on one hand the amount of people that actually went all through all the steps of all through the Bible study, bapt, baptism, going out door to door, who really became like full throttle members. There was a bunch of people that would, a lot of people that were just kind of down and out. That's another thing. They prey on people that are down and out because one of their, the, 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 uh, one of the cornerstones of their belief system is that, this current system of things is under Satan's rule. We're living in the end of days and Armageddon could come at any moment, which they've been, they've falsely predicted three times now. They originally (laughs) predicted it in 1914. Then they predicted it in 1975 and then they predicted it in 2000. And then finally after that fucking third strikeout, they were like, you know what? Let's, uh, let's lay off the actual date. Of, of impending doom. Let's just say it's close at hand and leave it at that. Paint it with a broader vague. brush. Yeah. So like they um, waited a generation each time, hoping that like the last one forgot. They're like, yeah, oh, yes. People absolutely. who are really into it are pretty close to dead now or aren't quite remembering things properly. So let's pick a new date. It's a good time. We'll see where this goes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But so like, they were, they, they would pray, they would kind of like prey on people that were down and out. So like, it sounds so fucking twisted looking back on things, but they would like, they would read the obituaries in the newspaper and find out where these people that had just lost a loved one, they would find out where they lived. Be like, we no. got to hit this person hard because their belief is that after Armageddon, Jehovah is going to transform after 99% of the population is destroyed. Everybody who's not an upstanding Jehovah's witness is destroyed. Jehovah is going to transform the earth into a beautiful paradise where man and beast will live in perfect harmony as one forever. Everybody will live forever. And the lion and the lamb. I get it. Yeah. We got, yeah. A, we got a version of that too. There you go. Yeah. And, and everybody who was an upstanding Jehovah's Witness who had previously died will be resurrected from the dead to live. So, so they would they would prey on these people and be like, "Hey, if you come with us, if you're able to see the truth, as they call it, and and you um, show Jehovah that you're um, devoted to Him and His purpose for mankind." you have the you have the possibility of seeing your loved ones again so there was this this false promise that was offered to all these people that were you know desperate for anything 
And so that's how a lot of people get lured in. So there was a lot of people that were really down and out, had some sort of tragedy in their life that would be, that would kind of, you know, open their hearts to the witnesses and be like, yes, anything you have to offer, thank God. Like, like I've been, I've been miserable. This is what I've been longing to hear. And somebody so people, to talk to even. Exactly. Yes. A lot of just lonely people. So there was a lot of, uh, a lot of people that I would, I would go to the meetings and I'd see people that I didn't know sitting in the back um, that clearly weren't members of the congregation, but that happened a lot. You know, a lot of people that would start Bible studies and go to meetings and then as things got more involved and more was demanded of them and they would start to get a little bit of a whiff of the, 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 the punishing um, mentality that goes along with it, they, they would bow out, you know, and be like, Oh, this is not quite, this isn't quite the cakewalk. I thought it was like, you didn't is, I'm not going to throw my whole fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you exactly. think you're going to a party with free sandwiches, but then they start telling you like, well, to get into Cutco, you have to buy the starter kit, which is $600. But if you work hard enough and you recruit enough team members, eventually this could replace your income. Uh, yeah, which I did. Yeah. I was a Cutco salesman for a moment in high school. I don't think you knew that, Casey. You <laughs> might not have known that, but you hit on something very close to home for me. I'll bet you were great at it. I still have the set. I still use <laughs> you those You sold knives. yourself a I set. I swear to God, those things actually <laughs> hold up. So in case anyone's wondering, I I can. I think they still consider – I got something in the mail from them not too long ago. They still consider me part of the club. It really is like a religion. You're never done. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, right, uh, right. So if anyone's interested in, I don't know if this is like a real good way. I don't know if they're okay with this, but if anyone is interested in Cutco, go ahead and message the Instagram page and maybe I'll uh, change careers if a lot of you show some interest. So, <laughs> Dude, I, you it is so funny. You though, probably like, still remember your pitch, man. Yeah. I mean, I remember cutting a penny uh, into a spiral <laughs> to, to face wow. a government property. That's hilarious. <laughs> Dude, wow. It is terrible. Like when you, uh, I mean, that that preying on people who are vulnerable, you know, is definitely not unique to any particular strain of religion. Right. But like uh, my, my grandpa died. Uh, it's coming up on three years ago, I think. And he was just like the best guy. Everybody loved him. He was just like this dynamic, like vivacious dude that loved everybody. I mean, he was just great. He was great. You couldn't say enough good things about him. But uh the funeral was like in this in the spring and it was it was a big blizzard. So like not not everybody got to go to it, you know, so we were streaming the funeral, you know, and, and the their pastor got up and did the service, you know, and did the wake and stuff. And he's he's reading through it and he's like, well, you know, Ed, uh, Ed was a father of, you know, three children and he enjoyed fishing and hunting in the outdoors and that was all he said about my grandpa. Then he launched into, uh, you know, someday we're all going to die. And we're, you know, what do you know where you're going to go? And dude, I just was like red faced, like sitting in my living room, just like seething that yeah. that's, that's what my grandpa gets, you know, like at the end, like that's, that's what you've got. And you just use it as a sales pitch. You know, wow. they love co-opting funerals that happened. I, I, that's happened to a number of family members, uh, of my grandparents, things like that, where it's just like, I sitting there listening to that pitch. You're like, Oh my God, this is, this is a nightmare. It's, 
And right. it was crazy. Is I've never, no one afterwards is like scared straight. No one's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm in. It's the only people who are like, that was a really, really wonderful funeral are the people who are like, everybody needs to hear that message. Uh, and that's all that life's about. So it's, yeah, it's a, yeah. it's a weird, it's completely impersonal, right? It's just another means for them to continue to, you know, unload their propaganda. Yes. So yeah. Baptist churches, there's always feuds going on about doctrinal stuff and different things like that. What color hymnals we ought to buy, what kind of carpet we should put in the sanctuary. What do, what do Jehovah's witnesses fight about? Like, do you remember any congregational turmoil from when you were younger? Oh man, that's funny. Well, I remember like, I, I, I don't think I was really privy to very much, but I know that because everything is so insular, um, a lot of witnesses would, you know, if they had a job to be done around the house would use other witnesses. So like, I remember we had our, we had the in, interior of our house repainted at one point and we used another witness in the congregation who was a painter and he, he happened to do a great job. So there was no problem there, but I was, I knew of several instances where, uh, a Jehovah's Witness in the congregation was, e was either used as a mechanic or for their plumbing skills or whatever it may be that, again, weren't very adept at their chosen profession because they're, they don't have any fucking time to do it because they're out <laughs> knocking on doors and going to meetings 24-7. So there would be, you know, people would get screwed over, be like, you know, hiring a contractor, which contractors – shit the bed routinely anyway even if they're not a jehovah's <laughs> witness you throw that in the mix it's like dude i got a fucking hole in my roof you said you were gonna fix three months ago so that i remember several i remember several times hearing an elder uh at the at the podium you know uh delivering a a, a, a an address to the congregation where he would say um, you know, sometimes, sometimes it is better to, uh, seek a, a, a professional outside of the religion because it's not always good to make business, the business and the brotherhood, <laughs> you know, As, it's so, a witnessing opportunity. Don't get me wrong. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Yes. And they absolutely would say that. Yes. yes. Sometimes you buy window from somebody you think is your brother and then several pairs of your wife's panties go missing. <laughs> it's the darndest thing. <laughs> Dude, when you're talking about how like they find a way to keep the community like insular, even though they're out there, it's like, so for, for they have their doctors and their lawyers and they can be used for anything. And doctors are good for everything except for blood transfusions, obviously. But <laughs> oh, we got to talk about that. <laughs> but it, it makes me think of like, kind of like mafia type shit. I feel like there's another analogy that I feel mm. like should be coming to my mind, but it's just like you walk into a room and it's like, there's a way to know like this little thing on your wrist or you do a little like tap tap on the wrist when you shake someone's hand. Like it feels like that kind of secret society. I know they're a little yeah. bit more public about it, so it's not trying to be secret, but tap that's all the I stall. Can, yeah. That's all I can think of when you're like, yeah, you go to the doctors and you're like, Oh, I'm in good hands. Jehovah's witness doctor. Or I only go to Jehovah's witness doctors. So like, like even in your, you don't really have to break outside of your bubble, which makes, well, actually it makes their, um, their retention rate even more pitiful because there's with that little exposure to the outside world, all these people 
catching on is kind of like, well, maybe you're just, it's just not that great of an idea. <laughs> People are yeah. seeing through it that easily, but uh, I just think that's so wild. I mean, I, I felt like I was an insular childhood. I grew up, I mean, homeschooled, grew up in the church. My only outlet was church. So for me, church, that was my like experiences. Um, yeah. So I, that's probably why I didn't question most things until I was in my mid twenties, you know, I just kind of rolled with it. Until right, then, right. I was like, ah, let me. I never read this part before. You're telling me that th- it said this the entire time. That's interesting. We should talk about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's why, like, you know, I was, I was glad that I wasn't homeschooled. But at the same time, like, if my mom really wanted to keep me in it, like, the, uh, the idea of, of really wanting your child to adhere to everything that goes along with the religion and abiding by all the rules and regulations, you're sending them off to public school every day and they're getting a glimpse of what they're missing out on. It's like, it's, it's, it completely works against what you're hoping for as a parent, you know, in terms of what your kid is going to become and strive for in life. And, and it became a very, very early on became, Oh, how can I, how can I get away with these things without my mom knowing? So, so from a very early age, it just became, how can I successfully live a double life? And that's what countless witnesses do. They, they go through the motions and they try to put on a good face because that's their community and that's their world. And when you're in it, you're, you're taken care of, man. Like, like the congregation really rallies behind you. If you're sick, you know, people, drive you to the doctor, bring you meals. You need a babysitter. Like you are taken care of, but if you stray for a moment, you, you're constantly threatened with being completely ostracized, not only just kicked out of the religion, but nobody talks to you. Nobody acknowledges you. You walk past somebody on the street. They won't even make eye contact. So there was a lot of people that were, that were living, that were successfully living double lives because they, um, they couldn't resist the temptations of the outside world, but they also wanted the benefits that went along with being part of a, a structured organization, you know? Yeah. And, they were uh, they were, fudging the numbers on their uh, witnessing reports. I bet. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, How, I, I did, I did that plenty of times, plenty of yeah. times. Were you scared when you did that? Or you're like, shit, someone's going to find out about this. You know, it's all, it's all on an honor system. So like, you know, I would never, I would never, you know, jot down a crazy number. Like, yeah, I put in a hundred hours this month. You know, it would always just be like the bare minimum. And I, yeah. you know, I had to send any of the elders like, oh, sorry, if school is really demanding this month, you know. Dude, um, you have straight S. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, so was school, because I could see it going both ways for you as a kid. Like, I could see it being like, the refuge where you get away from all of this Jehovah's witness stuff, or I could also see it being like a very stressful place because you're so much different than the kids that you're going to school with. And you're not really encouraged to get to know them and get close to anybody and stuff like that. Right. Right. Yeah. I, it was, it was a bit of both. I mean, it was nice to, cause when I was home, it was, there was really no like safe haven. There was no, like, there was no logging off. There was no, uh, real downtime. You know what I mean? Like you wake up in the morning, 
you have uh, the, the amount of publications that they have is mind blowing. So you start your day by reading a daily text, which is like uh, a, a Bible passage, a single scripture, and then kind of like a commentary on that scripture and how to apply that to your day. So it's almost like a daily calendar, um, like a desk calendar, but instead of, you know, a fucking funny cartoon, it's a scripture that you're supposed to apply to your life on that particular day. So every morning at the breakfast table would be, you know, the a discussion of the daily text. Then I would go to school and then I would come home. I'd do, do my homework. And then there would be preparation for, you know, if it was a Tuesday, preparation for the meeting that Tuesday or preparation for the meeting on Thursday. If it wasn't that, we had a, a family Bible study every Monday night, which a lot of families in the congregation did, which is just like, just pick any publication and we just, we spend an hour reading and discussing that particular publication. Was that uh, just your family or did you do that with other families? All, pretty much every family in the congregation. But like I said, this congregation, from what I was told, was way more strict than any other congregation that people had been a part of. But so you, like, other people weren't going over, like you weren't doing it as a group with other families. It was like the families individually did them family. by themselves. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That yeah. sounds awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's awful. Um, so, so like, yes, it was nice to be in school cause it was kind of finally a break from the demands of just incessant Bible study and just completely being inundated with all this indoctrination. But yeah, at the same time I felt like a freak and I didn't want anybody to know, you know, but, but at the same time, there's really no like hiding it. Like, because they don't, their Jehovah's Witnesses are neutral. So the very first day of kindergarten, everybody's standing for the Pledge of Allegiance, and I'm sitting there in the chair with my arms folded because that's what my mom told me to do. She's like, "Don't succumb to peer pressure. Like you do not stand and salute the flag. That's a that's a that's idolatry, and we do not uh, we we're not nationalistic. We don't view any particular country or government as as any sort of power." The only power in your life is Jehovah. So you don't, you know, you, you don't pledge allegiance to some fucking flag, you know? So I was, I was kind of, I stuck out like a sore thumb from day one. You know, kids would have birthdays, bring in cupcakes. I would leave the classroom and go sit in the library by myself. You know, it was, oh my uh, God. Yeah. you had to leave. Yeah. I mean, I hear, I've heard those stories. I didn't know if that's like a, an every kind of person thing, but you really had to leave the classroom, not just not even eat a cupcake, leave the classroom, leave the classroom. Couldn't even, couldn't even view the celebration, you know, in, <laughs> in like, I think evolution started being taught in maybe like sixth or seventh grade. There were like several classes that I was exempt from, you know, because, because Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in evolution, you know? Um, so it was, it was looking back on it now, though, it's funny because I think if I had just been honest with everybody from the get go, like, guys, I'm a Jehovah's Witness. Uh, there's a lot of stuff I can't do. I think people, whenever, whenever kids would find out about it, I was so worried about being bullied and be like, well, look at this fucking Jesus freak, you know, nobody, <laughs> nobody did that. If anything, it was like pity, you know, kids would find out that I was a witness and they would just be like, oh, fuck, man, that sucks. You know, like, <laughs> it was, it was almost like, <laughs> it was almost like I, I had it so bad already that they weren't going <laughs> to pile, they weren't going to pile onto that. You know what I mean? Like, Did well, any of the like, like teachers or anybody like, 
did anybody treat you with any sort of contempt when you weren't standing for the pledge or taking no, part in normal things? I, I think teachers too. Teachers like I rem- I specifically remember several teachers when they would like come up to me and be like, "So uh, Alex brought in cupcakes for his birthday, so I just wanted to give you a heads up if you want to kind of." slip out of the room right now while everybody's finishing up their quiz so you're not you know making a spectacle of yourself you know they they almost they also like took pity on me they felt fucking bad for me so they oh like they would like do everything that they could to not you know ostracize me or or draw any attention to myself so if i had to do it over again i would have just gone in there guns blazing on day one it's like yeah. guys <laughs> My fucking mom is a bitch and she makes me do all this crazy <laughs> shit that I hate and I don't believe in. So, you know, if you think I'm a fucking weirdo, uh, it's all her fault. Yeah, it is so, it's hilarious how it's like the opposite of the persecution porn that that they fed us. Because we got a lot of that, too, especially after Columbine and stuff, which you're you're just a yeah. little bit older than us. So I'm sure that was a thing for you guys, too. But like we talked nonstop about. You know, if somebody were to put a gun to your head and ask you if you believed in God, oh yeah, could you answer? You know, and I was thinking about that in regards to. I think I listened to a episode that you did with Ari Shafir, uh-huh. that troll of a human being. <laughs> <laughs> He's funny, but uh, talking about the uh, the card that you carried around because because. Uh, right. For people who don't know, explain like the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses view on like blood transfusions. So, uh, yeah, one of their hard and fast rules is that blood transfusions are not permitted under any circumstances whatsoever. And the funny thing is, is there's no real, I mean, blood transfusions didn't exist at the time the Bible was written, but there's no real... The thing about Jehovah's Witnesses is they pride themselves on having all of their beliefs being Bible-based. But the thing is, so many of their beliefs are an interpretation of a straight, yeah, (laughs) an interpretation that are a real stretch, you know. And it's almost like they, they, it's almost like they pride themselves on being, they pride themselves on on being extremists, you know. And if they're like. Well, these other Christian religions, they may have um, uh, a little bit of a looser stance on this particular uh, subject. We're gonna we're gonna really fucking turn the screws on this and 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 enforce something that's that's way more way more extreme or way more strict. So I still really cannot. I've never been able to pinpoint anything in the Bible that says like it's it's a sin to. Uh, take blood and for for health purposes you know but they have leaned into that hard so from the time i was old enough to as soon as i was going to school if i even if i didn't have a wallet you know like i have a son who's six years old he doesn't have a wallet but you know he has like an id card in his backpack you know so i remember carrying this card in my backpack that was a legally binding document that was signed by both my parents that said if I was in some sort of a medical emergency that I would not be supplied with a blood transfusion. And that shit's so wild to me, dude. Yeah. 
Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, I didn't, I didn't give it a second thought as a kid. Cause first of all, you think you're invincible when you're a kid, you don't think about it. Yeah. Bad I mean, I remember when I got my license and like, do you want to be an organ donor? And you're just like, yeah, fuck it. Who gives a shit? Like yeah, yeah. It, the idea of like, you, yeah, death isn't even on your mind. Like it's, you don't actually consider it. You're just like, yeah, someone else can use them. Sure. It's never going to happen because I'm perfect and invincible. Nothing bad could ever happen to me. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah, the fact, and, and there was another, there was another publication. Shit. I wish I could remember the name of it. It was, uh, I think it was something along the lines of like chill, kids who put God first and it was firsthand accounts. They would have like thumbnail pictures of all these kids who had died because they had refused a blood transfusion, but they were used as an example to show other Jehovah's witness kids of like these kids put Jehovah first and their heroes and they are sure to be resurrected after Armageddon because they put (laughs) Jehovah first and you need to do the same. So there were these thumbnail pictures of all these kids and like just these tragic stories of like this kid had some rare blood disorder. This kid was in a horrible, horrible car accident. And a lot of these kids were so brainwashed that they made the decision themselves. Doctors would approach them in the, in the hospital room when their parents were out and be like, listen, you don't need to, you don't need to subscribe to this whole thing that your parents are trying to push on you. Like we can save your life. We have the ability to save your life. And these kids being like, no, 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 I don't want to hear it. I put Jehovah first. He says no blood transfusion. Therefore I say no blood transfusion. And it's fucking. (laughs) That's what the cartoon said. (laughs) (laughs) It's insane. I can't even wrap my mind around that, especially plastering their pictures all over the place. Like, right. Like a high honor. Like, you know what? My goal in life is to get my face on that plaque. That's what I, no, no, that's not what you want to do. (laughs) It's like with a gold sticker right underneath it. (laughs) You're in the bathtub with your wrist slit open. No blood transfusion. (laughs) (laughs) I'm taking a bed. (laughs) Now, what if, I, I don't know if this has ever happened, but you're saying you would have this card on you. Say that's in your backpack. Something awful happens. You're separated from your backpack. Gets ripped clean off your body in a hideous car wreck. And they find you. They don't see your backpack right away. They resuscitate you. They get you on that blood, tra- blood transfusion real quick. Save your life. Do your parents then murder you when you get Enjoy home? Enjoy hell. <laughs> <laughs> what do they do with you? They just put they you in the sue. dumpster and say, I guess we're done with this one. Oh, no. Suing covers... A multitude of sins, I think, is what. Well, it is. they, you're still going to hell, but they will punish the people who saved you. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Jehovah's Witnesses don't believe in hell, but they honestly probably would believe that you would be tainted, you know, and that you would not either not survive Armageddon, or if you did, I don't know. Excuse me, you wouldn't be held in the same esteem as other witnesses because you had gone against one of their, you know, major uh, principles. You're not a you virgin sit in the back anymore. Of the bus. Yeah, yeah, you sit in the back You're of the bus for the rest anymore. of your life. <laughs> <laughs> you blood whore. Okay. You your, they don't believe in hell. This is something I feel like we have to talk about because as evangelicals, hell was the biggest of big. Like yeah. everything in your life was really wrapped up in – avoiding eternal conscious torment. Uh, So that's why, you know, 
That, I'm surprised. Like there is so I, again, I'm blown away that you have so many Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, when you're like, you can't have sex, and then you go, okay, but what happens if I do? They're like, we just won't like you as much. And you're like, ah, okay, the hook is I won't weak. Do it. Yeah, it's not good. <laughs> yeah, unless it's just like, well, if you do it and then you died immediately after without repenting, then you might be spending eternity in hell getting poked with a cattle prod. And I just. Like we, so much of our life was spent avoiding that or like addressing that fear, even subconsciously, where it's just like that, that was ultimately our reason for, because we were told God's grace covers everything. Christ died for everyone. Christ's blood covers your sin. We, we heard all that. We were told the unconditional love of Christ message. But when you get that coupled with eternal conscious torment, you're like, you also get this message, message of, Oh, well, but if you do go down that path, maybe you never really believed it right to begin with. And now you're in danger again. So like you could never really like you could never convince yourself that you were really in. You would have to be like, if I'm acting wrong, it's because I I don't believe this. And now I'm fucked. Uh, so then you have to like get back on the right track and never so completely I'm, safe. Yeah. I, so right. how you guys accomplished anything without the fear of hell backing it? is really mind-boggling to me. So there's no hell. Armageddon's coming. Some people go to heaven and everyone else ceases to exist. Unpack that a little bit. What's the deal there? So uh, the the belief is that <clears throat> if you survive Armageddon, um, and that's Jehovah's living through it. Is that physically living, living through? through? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, fire and brimstone and, you know, uh, every sort of natural disaster you can imagine, you know, people getting swept up in tidal waves and tossed aside by tornadoes or hurricanes, you're just complete pandemonium all around you. You know, you're, you're led to believe that, you know, you find a, find a sturdy doorway to duck under and just like all hell breaks loose around you. And you, you know, you somehow you are going to be unscathed by this massive worldwide destruction uh, which, which is so, you know, people think Scientology is so out there and sci-fi, but when you break down the fundamentals of what Jehovah's Witnesses believe, it's, it's, it's really, it's mind-blowingly parallel in terms of like, it sounds like a fucking sci-fi movie. It's ridiculous. <laughs> so you're led to believe that, uh, immediately after that, the earth is going to be transformed into a paradise just with a snap of a finger and uh, this beautiful, lush, rolling pastures, green, abundant with fruits and vegetables and people just harvesting food and, and, and everybody smiling. I mean, the, the publications have these illustrations that are just so ridiculous. And so you're led to believe that you will either, um, A, live forever on this paradise earth, um, or um, if, you have, if you have died you will be resurrected to be, to live on this paradise earth. Or they also believe that there's a select few, a hundred, 144,000 is the specific number that receive some sort of a divine calling from Jehovah that they are meant to, rather than be resurrected, they're meant to rule alongside Jesus in heaven over this paradise earth. So seems like a only, lot of cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yeah. Why does he need that much help? I thought that guy would 
be able to handle that on his own. I mean, look uh, at the place we're living in now. Could you imagine it being any better? He doesn't need like, any. <laughs> everyone will live, but 144,000 of you will have health care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking universal basic income. <laughs> See that would that would be a hell of a selling point. That's what they that's what they really got to do. Um, so, uh, the, I remember the the only holiday that Jehovah's Witnesses celebrate, um, and it's not you know not much of a celebration. The only holiday the holiday is also a, a loose term. The only day that they um, observe is the anniversary of of Jesus' death which is Nisan 14 on the, on the uh, Jewish calendar. And it usually falls sometime in April. And again, that's because according to the Bible, that's the only day that you're told to observe. Every other holiday is pagan. So on this day, uh, they would pass around, they would, they, there would be a sermon all about, you know, the, the, the magnitude of Jesus impact on mankind. He gave his life as a ransom sacrifice so that we could have the opportunity to live forever. So they would pass around unleavened bread uh, to represent his body and then uh, wine to symbol to represent his blood. And you would pass you, it would, you know, it would get passed along down the aisle and you would hand it to your neighbor and the only people that would partake of this were people that were somehow believed that they had received this divine calling from Jehovah, that they were among the anointed. So again, just on an honor system, you know what I mean? Like I could have, as a 14 year old, just fucking pounded a glass of wine, be like, sorry, dude, I'm from the anointed, you know, like <laughs> I'm going up there with the involved who is the one to take the the bread it was like yeah who's gonna be the first one to the pizza buffet <laughs> right yeah so there was i could again count on one hand the amount of times that i would see and it would always be like older elders in the congregation that you would see drinking from the wine and be like oh my god and it was like royalty it was like oh my god that guy's part of the anointed holy shit like he's you know he probably walks on water himself. Like you, you look at them, it's like, oh my god, they're like on another level. He um, screwed me on siding. <laughs> <laughs> That's I was, I almost I'll missed the siding part, and was like, well, he's never going to get caught. So, <laughs> oh, dude, man. I am curious. Like, uh, okay, so obviously, like moratorium on all sorts of media and pop culture stuff and everything like that. Like, yeah, you as a young, like teenager, what, what things like, what specific things were you just like craving that you couldn't have? Like, you know, is there certain movies or music that you just wanted so bad, but you couldn't have it at home? Yeah, I was, uh, MTV was my portal to the outside world. So I watched MTV 24 seven, while also having the controller in my hand ready to click the channel at a moment's notice because MTV was also super frowned upon, you know, that, like that was that last button portal to the devil's asshole. You know what I mean? Like that is just <laughs> like, that is just, you know, a huge no, no. So that was, but it really was Mu music, music specifically was, my main portal to the outside world. So that was really kind of like 
that was kind of how I educated myself about what was on the outside. So MTV was huge. And then when I was 15, I got really into rap music, which of course was completely abhorrent kind of to my mother. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I remember, I remember my sister driving me to the mall when I was like 15 and I got, uh, DMX flesh of my flesh blood of my blood and I don't know if you remember that album cover but it's just a white background with DMX and he's kind of holding his hands like this and he's just drenched in blood just drenched (laughs) still to this day 20 20 years later one of the most shocking album covers I've ever seen and uh I remember bringing it home and like sneaking it in the house under my jacket and I had a whole stash of rap CDs on the top shelf of my closet in my room. And um, that was like where I kept all my, that was where I kept all my albums. And I knew that if my mom found those, uh, she would lose her fucking mind. And then one one weekend while I was away with some other Jehovah's Witnesses who we went to this amusement park in, in Pennsylvania, she, cl- she cleaned my room while I was away. And she no. found this stash and she confronted me when I came home and I just sung like a canary. I was like, Oh my, I'm the worst. I'm the worst. I'm going to die. And I was, it was pathetic. I was like, I'm going to die at Armageddon. Aren't I? I'm the fucking worst. I'm so sorry. I wish I was better. I wish I was a better boy, you know? And I was just like, I'm so sorry. And, and she's like, I don't want that filth in my house. And I was like, can I sell all my after school job money went toward buying these CDs. You know, it's crazy to look back on, what it was like as a teenager, you know, now you, you like something, you listen to whatever you want on Spotify for $10 a month, you know, it was when so I was growing expensive. Up, yeah. When I was growing up, you like a single song, you got to drop 18 bucks on a fucking CD that, and the chances of <laughs> any other songs on the album being listenable or slim to none, you know? So it was, it was a real gamble. So hundreds of dollars worth of rap CDs that I, I was like, can I at least resell them? And she's like, no, you throw those in the garbage. I don't want anyone else partaking of this either. So I remember carrying this big bin of CDs out into the garage, tears streaming down my face, and just dumping $400 oh. worth of CDs into the trash. That's such and a was, horrible feeling. <laughs> and <laughs> and that, was, that was like a major turning point for me where I was like, fuck this, fuck her. I'm, do- I'm done with this. This is, this is, this is ruining my, this is ruining my life. You know, I can't, That's a I good can't even turn. have that. I can't even have that. Like I'm, I'm adhering to all this other stuff. Like I'm, I'm the, the amount of sexual repression that is put on adolescents in the Jehovah's witness community is so intense. And I'm like, you know, I'm not dating anybody. I'm not, I'm, I'm adhering to all these other rules and regulations. I got a couple of fucking rap CDs and you're willing, and you're ready to rake me over the coals over that. Like, this is this is too much. I can't handle this. But yeah, did like, you, uh, like no, no did you R-rated ever get caught movies. With, never get caught with what? Did you ever get caught with like porn or something <laughs> masturbatory well, that uh, <laughs> you had to apologize for? Luckily, luckily, no. Another thing was my mom wouldn't allow internet in the house. My sister. Uh, my parents were older, so they had no idea of, of the, I was able to have like a desktop computer just for doing like, you know, school assignments. 
my sister hooked up a dial-up connection without their knowledge. So, you know, anytime the phone would ring, my internet service would get, you know, ixnayed. But um, I wasn't even adept enough to find porn on the internet. My only my only uh, porn outlet was just watching Scrambled Cinemax at like 12 o'clock at night. I've heard uh, a like, bunch of people say that. Just like hoping I, to I see a that. nipple yeah. and then comparing, <laughs> comparing notes at the lunch table the next day. Be like, dude, 11.17 last night. I swear to God, I saw two fucking areolas yeah. at the same time. <laughs> dude, I remember, I know. I remember one time and your buddy would be like, I think that was a pair of balls. And you're like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember one time having that channel. It's like, I don't know if it was Cinemax. I, for me, it was channel 99. It was all like the green and reds. And it's like all yeah, yeah, wavy yeah. side to side. Can't make out anything. Occasionally you'd hear like a moan through the crackle of the white right, noise. Right. And I remember like turning that on thinking I had a solid 30 minutes. And that was like, my dad came home and he, we had the two door. I lived in a ranch and ranches always have like the one door in the living room and like 12 feet away is another door. To the other. No one ever yeah. used that other door. And for some God ordained reason, he came in through that door that day. And I, I think that's where my faith was solidified. I repented <laughs> for my sins and followed Christ into eternity. You go one of two ways. Yeah. Right. I have, I have one more question. I know you got to, we got to, Kind of wrap up, but uh, is there Mormon? I mean, is there Jehovah's Witness music? Because Christian music is huge. CCM, even just like it's all like right, worshipy. Right. But is there is Jehovah's Witnesses? Do they have their own music? They the that's uh, that is a good question. They, they their own their own music only comes in the form of hymns that they sing before and after each church service. But these are songs that were written by excuse me, uh, the governing body without getting too into it is like, is, is basically like I've kind of, kind of come to realize as I've gotten older, it's almost like a secret society of higher ranking elders that there's like six or seven elders that basically call all the shots and they make all the decisions that trickle down to all these congregations. So the governing body basically, um, again, there's people that excel in every field in, in, some areas within the Jehovah's Witness organization. So they would take this group of musicians and they would write, they would pen these, these spiritual hymns about specifically about Jehovah's Witness doctrines to the tune, to classical music. They would have a whole symphony behind them. And they had a songbook called, um, it was called, it had, it was an orange songbook called sing praises to Jehovah. And it had a, probably about 120, 130 different songs that uh you would kind of like it would they, they would be randomly selected to start and end every meeting and everybody would stand and and they would play they would i remember one of my duties when i was a teenager as a jehovah's witness was i was kind of manning the tech booth in the back so i would like have make sure all the microphones were at the proper level when the elder was delivering the sermon and I would put on the CD when it was time to sing the hymns and, you know, have to skip to the song and play it at just the right time, which I constantly fucked up. They'd be like, and now we're going <laughs> to sing song number 47. I'd be half asleep in the back. I'd be like, oh, fuck. CD <laughs> flying everywhere, <laughs> scrambling to put the thing on and cue it up. And everybody would stand and just belt out these songs, you know, reading along with the lyrics and just belting out these songs. And it was the most embarrassing fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. 
And there's nothing was, worse than that. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was crazy. But again, you know, it's it's all stuff that looking back on it now, at the time, it's like, yeah, this is this is normal. This is what life looks like. This is what people do. And now looking back on it, it's just like, oh my god, it makes my fucking skin crawl to think the amount of times I spent standing and and you know lip syncing like I was in a chorus class that I didn't want to be in. I was like, oh. <laughs> it was horrible. It's but in terms of like. Even- in terms of like Jehovah's Witness rock or like secular music, no, nothing. But the, and, and like the only stuff that was a, a permitted was you know the few things that have no um, that don't allude to any sort of immorality or devil worship or any you know nothing remotely provocative. So I remember you know you could listen to like U two or REM or like remember when like swing music was huge in like nineteen ninety seven. Like Jehovah's Witnesses were all about swing music because you can dance four feet away from your partner and it's just about, yeah. you know, <laughs> you know, uh, shucking and jiving, you know, it, it was like, it was like they finally found a genre of music that like wasn't really offensive, you know? And so for that reason, all the, all the REM, U2 swing, I fucking hated it because it was like the only thing that was allowed. And I was like, no, I don't want any part of this horse shit. No thanks. I'd rather listen to nothing. Uh, so. Yeah, I would rather not have music than listen to you two. <laughs> A lot of people felt that way when uh, Apple gave him that free album a good eight oh, nine years ago. <laughs> Call him back to that, right. man, Doug. This is a lot of fun. I really appreciate um, hearing your yeah, story. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, this. I got to jump off. I mean, I can talk with you guys for hours about this shit it's nice to talk yeah. to people that you know there's there's definitely a lot of a lot of parallels so it's nice to commiserate well if you need to commiserate with people again um and i'm sure we could go for hours and there's plenty more to touch <laughs> on so we'll, we'll be here if you uh need an outlet i know you got your own hopefully coming out soon i can't wait if you have a you know you said you're working on a pitch to have to talk about all this shit on your own podcast yeah i'll be looking forward to that um where um where can people find you? What do you got going on? Um, I'm on all, all social media platforms at who Doug Smith, um, Instagram, Twitter at who Doug Smith. Um, I'm actually working on a solo show right now, all about the Jehovah's witness years. And I'm doing, uh, a monthly show with three other great comics, Chris Gethard, Anthony DeVito, Casey James Salengo, they're all working on different solo shows right now. So we got this show called Sad Sacks. Those are all pretty, all pretty sad tales. <laughs> I um, love it. Chris Gethard's great too. I, I've that name I'm very familiar with. Yeah, he's fantastic. He he uh, he's uh, he's been a bit of a uh, mentor to me. He was he was one of my improv teachers early on, and and we've kind of stayed in touch and and oh, nice. friendly and and uh, yeah, he's fantastic. So he we have this show together. Um, our next one is, I don't know when this is coming out, but our next one is February 9th at 7 PM at caveat in New York city on the lower East side. And, uh, we're all basically just workshopping like different segments of our solo show. So we each do about like 20 minutes and nice. we just had our first one in December. It went really well. So yeah. Awesome. Now is your special anywhere? I feel like it was on Spotify and then I couldn't find it. Uh, 
Yeah, unfortunately, I'm one of the many comics whose shit has been taken off. Spot. There seems to be no rhyme or reason to it. I can't figure out who has been taken off and who hasn't for what whatever reason. It seems to just be so selected you, at random. That's so my you're not album, like uh, protesting Joe Rogan, though. <laughs> I'm not protesting Rogan. No, I mean I I I I listen to plenty of Rogan. You know, it all it's all contingent on the guests for me um yeah but yeah unfortunately my album is not on spotify and i can't even you know if you want to buy an album i haven't bought an album in fucking 15 years so i'm not really i'm not one to advocate anybody buying an album but if you're so inclined to buy my album barely regal it would mean the world to me but hopefully uh hopefully it'll be back on spotify soon you can listen to it for free well i'm glad i got to listen to it before it was taken down because i definitely <laughs> refuse to buy it so <laughs> good for you thank you to the man <laughs> no, well, it was great though so uh, that's why i was hoping to be able to direct people towards so if it pops up i'll uh i'll direct people that way but doug this was a lot of fun man thanks again yeah know, thank uh, you guys I'll let you go but hope to do it again soon yeah for sure all right everybody well thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time